Welcome to the New Freedom Church podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Good morning, New Freedom Church. (laughs) I want to thank Pastor Joe for giving me the invitation to share the message that God has given to me for this church in this season. If you are a football football fan, don't groan, women, then you know that college football decides the number one team through the national championship, and the winner of professional football is decided by the Super Bowl. An internet pastor wrote, I want you to imagine that you are one of the starting players on a football team that is getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. You desperately want your team to win, and yet you don't know what the outcome will actually be. If only victory could be assured. Suddenly, your coach enters the room. He's holding the Super Bowl trophy in his hands, and he has a box of Super Bowl victory rings and he proceeds to place these rings on the hands of your teammates, and then finally, on your hand too. You and your teammates are speechless. I mean, you don't know what to think of this strange situation. Your coach just presented you with the winning trophy and gave each of you a Super Bowl victory ring, and your team hasn't even gone out onto the field yet. This doesn't make sense at all. Suddenly, your coach begins to speak. My friends, I want you to know that I've arranged for your victory today. You have already won. You are the Super Bowl champions. However, you will still have to play the game. I want you to do your best. Your opponents will do all they can to defeat you. They will mock you. They will intimidate you. And yes, some will even hurt you. In fact, by halftime, they will be ahead by five touchdowns. But don't give up hope. Don't stop playing your best. Remember, no matter how bad it gets out there, you know how it's going to end. The victory's already won. You are the Super Bowl champions, and you are the conquerors. The pastor then asked, now, how would you react in such a situation? Well, you never know for sure because in human affairs, we are not assured ahead of time what the outcome will be. However, in our Christian affairs, we can have this confidence because Paul says that we are more than conquerors. Your victory is not just for one season. Your victory is eternal. No one can take away your victory. Death itself cannot defeat you. And God will not trade you to another team just because you didn't perform well. No, you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. (laughs) Amen. Now, to be more than conquerors, we not only have faith, we use our faith. We not only read the Bible, we study our Bible. We not only know our spiritual weapons, but we have learned how to use them. We not only know the word of God, but we apply it to our lives. And we use that scripture and the promises of God in every attack. Now, when I say giant, who or what immediately comes to mind? 
Now, I kind of put you in a football state of mind, so you NFL football lovers probably immediately thought New York Giants, and I wish the Bengals were playing the New York Giants today because this morning we are going to consider the spiritual giants in our lives. So let's try that again. When I say giant, who or what immediately comes to your mind? And how do you describe it? What emotions come from that thought or that image? We look at the Middle East, do you see giants? We look at America, do you see giants? From sea to shining sea. We can look at our own lives and we can see giants that we have already faced and some of us can see giants that are towering over us today. And although the Bible has lots of names for these giants, we can call each one of them the spirit of fear. Now, no matter what position on the team God has given to us, we can be sure that we are going to be facing a giant that is on the opposing team, a spiritual giant who will stand right in the middle of the end zone and just dare us to carry our football over that line. He is not going to stand aside and say, there you go, have a touchdown. Not going to happen. So let's consider two biblical giants and the people who made the touchdowns. For every pharaoh, there is a Moses. The new king of Egypt had commanded that every male child born of a Hebrew woman was to be thrown into the Nile River. Moses' parents hid their son for three months, but then his mother made a little basket, put her baby into it, and put the basket in the river. The baby who was found in that Nile River was named Moses, which means drawn out for he was drawn out of the water. Many years later, God would give Moses the assignment to draw his people out of Egyptian slavery. Now in the first 40 years, Moses lived as an adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he was raised with all of the privileges of Egypt. When he was an adult, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man and he killed him. When Pharaoh found out, Moses ran away. In the second 40-year period of his life, Moses lived as, as a shepherd in the wilderness. God was preparing him to lead a people that were probably much worse than the sheep. But the day came when Moses led the flock to Horeb, the mountain of God. The word Horeb means wilderness. Each of us has had a wilderness season. It is a dry place, spiritually, financially, emotionally, or physically. But it is during these times that God is training us and preparing us for a new purpose, a new position. And in fact, that time that causes us so much misery is really pre preparing us for a greater ministry. Horeb comes from a word which means to speak. When the Holy Spirit leads us into a wilderness season, we can expect to hear from him. And every giant we face should expect to hear God's word coming from our mouths. Jesus told us, speak to the mountain. Now Moses was in a season of preparation to face the giant, the demonic force called Pharaoh. 
Mount Horeb is also called Mount Sinai, which means shining. It's a place of revelation. And in that place, God spoke to Moses through the burning bush and gave him his position, a deliverance ministry. God had heard his people's cry for deliverance, and he said, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to Moses, he said, come now, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, who am I? And God was saying to Moses, and he's saying to us, who are you? You are the person that I'm sending. People are going to see and hear me through you. That's who you are. God said, I am coming down, but my plan involves you. The best answer in the deliverance of man is man. God knows about the lost and the addicted. He knows about the lonely. He knows about the abused. He's heard the midnight cries of a hungry baby. He has seen the, the spiritual giant's effect on his people of hurt and fear. And God is saying, I have come down to deliver them through you. You are my deliverance ministry. Now, as most of you know, I have had a healing and deliverance ministry for over 35 years. And like you, I have faced many giants, and one of them is named addiction. Although my son Aaron was saved at age eight, he chose to deal with his adult issues through the use of drugs, and especially heroin. As I faced this giant, oh, I spoke to him. I spoke two specific scriptures every single day. I suited up, I picked up my football, I headed for the end zone, and I boldly declared, my son Aaron will live and not die, and he will declare the works of the Lord. My children are taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of my children. And one day, as I faced this giant once again, God promised me that he would turn Aaron around 180 degrees and bring him back to me. As I kept running with the end zone in sight, the giant finally disappeared, and Aaron is free from Pharaoh. Touchdown. <laughs> Amen. 20 years later. During those wilderness seasons, God prepared me for ministry to people, especially female inmates at several prisons who are addicted to drugs. And they know that I'm not just an old white-haired lady. Well, I, I am, but, but I am a mother who knows what they and their mothers are going through, and I can tell them that what God did for my son and for me, he can do for them. Amen. He came to set the captive free so they can fulfill their divine purpose. Amen and amen. Kim Meyer is going to tell us about the Pharaoh she faced and conquered. Good morning. For any of those of you who don't know me, my name is Kim Meyer. I've been at New Freedom Church about eight, nine years. Um, I faced my giant in 2010. 
Um, I was faced with the decision that I could A, have nothing done to my right foot and be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I was 45 at the time. I had a five-year-old child at home. Um, the other, I could stay in bed for 18 months and they couldn't promise that that would fix it, but we could try. Or I could just have it amputated and move on. So with lots of crying and prayers and, and yelling and screaming, went with the decision. God helped me to make the decision to have my foot amputated. At the time of the surgery, it was, I was peaceful. It was the right thing to do. It was what needed to be done. I said to God at that time, if I must face this, then you must bring me out the other side. So I, from 2010 until this year, I have been facing several problems along the way. Um, I've almost died a couple times because of infections. I had an infection so bad that there was only one medication that I could take, and I couldn't take it. It was the only thing that would kill the infection. Pastor Dennis, and I know many of you know Pastor Dennis, came to the hospital to pray for me and prayed every little cell, every minute particle, he prayed the infection away. The next thing that happened, the lab people came in and said, we need to get some more blood. Something happened with the blood that we took. And I said, okay. So they took some more and they came back and they said, I, I, something's wrong. There is nothing showing up. There is no infection. There is nothing. And I hadn't taken any medicine. So yes, with, with Pastor Dennis and his help from the Lord, that was, that was, I left with two weeks of antibiotics because they just didn't know what else to do, so they sent me home with some pills. So along the way, there's been, you know, many, many things. We had to deal with the fact that I couldn't work anymore, um, so we lost that salary. I lost that definition of me. I had to remember and realize who I was without that. But God is good, and um, he, has, he has brought everything forward. I'm doing well now, and it's a pleasure to, to be able to work and serve here at New Freedom Church. That was perfect. If any of you are facing that kind of giant, any type of spirit of infirmity, we're going to have a time of prayer right after the message. God gave me this message for every one of us. I have brought you through so that you may defeat the enemy. I have brought you through so that you may teach others what I have taught you. I have brought you through so that you may give glory to my name. I have brought you through so that you may rise up with power in your words and healing in your wings, so that you may take forth my word into the deepest places of darkness and shine my light of truth and forgiveness, deliverance and power into the brokenhearted, the lost, the depressed, the hopeless, those that Satan has successfully bound because of their ignorance, for they do not know me. They do not know what I have said. They do not know what I have done. They do not know who they can be if they will choose to believe in me and my son. That is your task. My church, I give you this assignment this day, and that is to take my truth, into your world, into your home, into your shops, into your businesses and schools to set the captive free, and thus saith the Lord your God. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Joe has been teaching us about the spiritual gifts, and remember, we do not do this on our own. God has given to each one of us the gift that we need to set ourselves free as well as to help other people. We know that after God sent the plagues upon Egypt, Pharaoh stepped out of the end zone and let God's people score. <laughs> When they camped beside the Red Sea, however, they realized that Pharaoh and his soldiers were coming up behind them quickly. And they cried to Moses and they said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord brings you today. In Mark 11:23, Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. One believe, three says. What are we saying? We have to speak to the giant in our lives. We know what happened to Pharaoh and his army. That mountain was cast into the Red Sea, amen? Stand firm, church, on what God has done in you and for you because he's soon going to work with you and through you to accomplish his purpose. Deliverance ministry is yours through the blood of Jesus. For every Pharaoh, there is a Moses, and for every Goliath, there is a David. Now, we're familiar with the story of David. God's people wanted a king like all of the other nations, so God gave them Saul. When Saul proved to be a disobedient king, God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel, a teenager named David. David means beloved. The names of his brothers described what they looked like on the outside. David described his heart. He would not be ashamed one day to dance down the streets of Jerusalem praising his God. Now like Moses, David spent a lot of time with the sheep in the wilderness and like Moses, God prepared David to lead his people Israel. Now, although David could not have known it at the time, these wilderness experiences would prepare him to face the giant in two ways. First, when David was in the wilderness, he wrote songs of worship. And despite the hardships, he could be happy because he knew God was with him. And he learned to depend upon God and God alone. Have we? In Psalm 63, he wrote, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. I will lift up my hands in your name and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. In Psalm 18, David wrote, God teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Well, some years ago, God showed me that a bow of bronze is not a bow used with arrows. The bow of bronze was a harp. When an evil spirit would come upon King Saul, God would anoint David to play his harp. And when he did, the evil spirit would leave. Now, we can be sure that while he was in the wilderness, God taught David that praise is a powerful weapon against the enemy. Pastor Rick knows all about this spiritual weapon of praise and worship. He's going to share his testimony. Good morning, everybody. I know you guys probably hear me enough as it is, but I was honored 
that Pastor Sue asked me to talk about this. And we're talking about giants. Um, the biggest giant that I had to fight in my walk and in my ministry was myself. Uh, for the longest time, uh, I was pursuing um, a music career. And that was, that was my goal. I wanted to, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't one of these guys that wanted to be like, oh, I, I want to get famous and have like 20 Lamborghinis and all this stuff. I just wanted to play music for a living. That's what I wanted to do. And even though God had put this call on my life, I would still run back and go back to try to further myself in the local scene, regional scene, try to make a trip to, you know, go to Nashville or something. And it always ended the same. Um, I knew that that's not what I was supposed to be doing. But in my stubbornness, I was like, man, what if I miss out? What if I miss out? And in my humanness, I'm like, what if I miss out from what? God has everything I need. What am I missing out for? But in my stupidity, I kept on going until it hit me right in the face. I wanted to do this for a living. I wanted to do what I loved uh, for my job. Who doesn't want to do that? And God's like, you realize I have given you this exactly what you wanted. Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you, what is wrong? Now, I may not be touring around the world. I may not be playing these massive stages in front of thousands and thousands of people. But that's okay. You know, I've had a couple buddies that I have in the music scene go, man, you gave up that easily. You're just going to like, it's like downgrade to playing in church. It's like, let me tell you something right now. I didn't downgrade. I got to upgrade. All right, because now not only am I doing what I love full time, I'm doing it for the kingdom. I'm impacting lives. I said yes to Jesus Christ. Use me however you see fit. And you know what? He is, and I have never been happier. I'm telling you, never been happier. So if you are here today and you know that God has put a call on your heart, on your life, there is nothing else that you need to wait on. There is not something better that you're going to get than what God gives you. Because not only does he give you what you, what, you know, your heart's desires, he gives you what you need. You can have whatever you want in this world, but do you get what you need? And that's what I learned. I could have had what I wanted, but I would never be fulfilled. I have what I need, and I am happier. I am fulfilled. There is no emptiness in my heart. There is no worry. There is no stress over this, this, or this. No, because I know what I'm doing. I'm doing for the kingdom. And at the end of the day, whenever my time on this earth is done, I hopefully will get to hear, well, good, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Second, the wilderness experiences prepared David to face the giant in another way. David had history with God. He had already killed a lion and a bear as he protected the sheep. When we find ourselves face to face with any type of giant, we must remember that we have history with God too. What has God already brought you through? What giants has have already come down because of your faith in him? If he did it before... 
Yes, he will. When the Philistine armies gathered against the armies of Israel, they sent out a Goliath, a man nine feet, nine inches tall, and the very sight of him caused the army to be afraid. When David arrived at the battleground, well, he saw the giant just like the armies did, but David also heard him. David heard him mocking the armies and the power of the living God, and it infuriated him. If a giant is towering over you this morning, what are you hearing? What is he saying to you? Are there thoughts that contradict the word of God is he saying to you that your situation is hopeless and that your faith is a waste of time? David had already faced physical giants, and he knew that the God who had given him the ability to stand against the animals of the kingdom had prepared him for this very moment. And he had no doubt that the God who had delivered him then would deliver him now. And we can say the same. When David approached Goliath, he said to the giant, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. For every Goliath, there is a David, a person of faith who has learned to speak to the mountain. Before David threw the first ball, I mean stone, David would defeat this giant in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. Did you know you're a part of those armies? Oh, yes, we are. On, on the outside, David didn't look like a giant killer, so King Saul dressed him in his own armor. David took it off. He didn't look like he was suited up and ready for battle, but he was. His armor was spiritual. He was clothed in the armor of God and say, so am I. Absolutely. David knew who he was. He knew whose he was. David knew what God had done in the past, and God had no doubt that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So David made a stand on that truth. David faced that giant and spoke that truth, and that giant came crashing down. And Goliath lost not only his helmet, he lost his head. Touchdown, David. The head represents authority. When we speak truth to any giant, he loses all authority over us. Is there a situation in your life today or in the life of someone that you know that appears to tower over you like Goliath towered over the soldiers of Israel? Does the very sight of that doctor's report, that checkbook balance, that confirmation of addiction in a loved one, does it cause you great fear? There are three types of fear. Natural fear, which causes us to be careful Look both ways before you cross the street. Unnatural fear, like superstitious, and reverential fear. Deep respect tinged with awe. The only fear that we should have is a reverential fear of our God. To fear the Lord is to say, I know he is all-powerful and that he is in complete control. Can you say amen? 
Amen. We cannot defeat the Goliaths in our own power, but I repeat, Pastor Joe repeats, the Holy Spirit has given each of us a, a spiritual gift or gifts that we need to face the giant that stands in the way of our divine purpose. Several years ago, God showed me four areas of what he called great danger to his church. And that first area of great danger is a grasshopper mentality. Although God had, and you know the story, although God had promised to give his people a land flowing with milk and honey, they wanted proof. So God allowed Moses to send 10 spies into, 12 spies into the promised land, and they brought back a huge cluster of grapes, and they said, this is proof. God's promise was true. What was their next word? Do you know? They said, God's word is true, but, but what? Well, but the people are strong, but the cities are huge, and they're surrounded by thick protective walls. And besides those problems, we saw giants in the land. Now, although God was giving them the land, his people were going to have to suit up and take it, but they didn't. They decided to listen to the negative report of 10 spies who said, we cannot do what God has said that we can do. When the people listened to that voice, they described themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as weak and incapable, and they believed the enemy saw them like that, and I believe he did. I believe he does. So God's first warning of great danger is we must never see ourselves with a grasshopper mentality. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In us, and he will raise us up any and every time that we get blocked, tripped up, tackled, or knocked down. Years after David defeated Goliath, he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and placed it under a tent. Everyone who passed by could see that gold box that represented the presence of God. David had a full-time staff of men whose main job was to praise God 24 hours a day. It was the picture of the constant worship that is going on in heaven right now as we sit in this place. In Acts 15, Luke wrote God's words. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Well, God did rebuild David's tabernacle. The church of God is his tabernacle. So look around you. You and I are now the tent that houses the presence of God. We are called and created to change the very atmosphere by our worship, which will bring God's presence flowing out of us and into the people and the situations around us. So worship is telling God who he is. Begins with the word you. So tell him right now, who is he to you? You are my God. You are my provider. You tell him for yourself. You are my peace every time a giant rises up before me. You are my truth. You are my champion. Every time we worship him, Goliaths are defeated. 
As a David in the body of Christ, you have the word of God in your mouth and you speak to the mountain of impossibility. We are now the armies of the living God. And because of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we will overcome every spiritual battle as a champion. Amen and amen. Now, because there are so many examples of giants in the Bible, we could be here all afternoon discussing them. and Maybe it should become a series. God had an answer for every one of them. We'll just look briefly at two more. For every Nebuchadnezzar, there is a Daniel. God said that the second area of great danger to his church is the lack of prayer. Daniel could face the giant, the king of Babylon, actually the king of the world at that time, because he was a man of prayer. He had prayed since he was a child, and he did not change that habit when he was captured. When the king signed a law forbidding anyone to pray, Daniel went home, and facing the threat of death, he opened up his windows toward Jerusalem and prayed anyway. Officials found some excuse to go to David's home, and when they found him in prayer, as they knew they would, they immediately went to the king and demanded that he be sent to the lion's den. As an intercessor, Daniel gives us one of our greatest examples of spiritual warfare. For three weeks, Daniel fasted and prayed for God's people. Three weeks later, an angel appeared to give Daniel and us what I call an aha truth about Satan's battle against our prayers. God hears us the first time we pray. But between the moment we pray and the moment we receive the answer to our prayers, a spiritual war is taking place in the heavenlies. If Daniel had stopped praying on day 20, Israel would not have received their answer. If you have been called to be a Daniel, a man or woman of prayer, then you know who you are. You have been given an assignment by the Most High God to intercede for the specific people or situations that most concern his heart. And second, for every Haman, there is an Esther and a Mordecai to encourage her. The king of Iran had promoted Haman as his second in command, and he had commanded that every person bow down before Haman, but Esther's cousin Mordecai refused. Haman was furious, and when he found out that Mordecai was a Jew, he was determined to destroy every Jew. Haman is the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of anti-Semitism. Haman had one accusation against the Jews. They were different from all the other people. That was it. And being a Christian will make us different, too. He demanded that the Jews be killed, and the king agreed. The king sent out letters to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the Jews. And those words should sound familiar to us, because without knowing it, the king had agreed with the devil, who has one goal, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, if we replace the N of Haman with an S, what do we have? Hamas the same enemy that is determined to destroy God's people. One Bible scholar said that Esther could be compared to a chess game. God and Satan 
as invisible players moved real kings, queens, and nobles. When Satan put Haman into place, it was as if he announced, check. God then positioned Esther and Mordecai and said, checkmate. Queen Esther and Mordecai accepted their purpose to save God's people. You have heard me say it before, and you'll hear me say it many times again. We are where we are because we are God's answer in that place. In Genesis 1, verse 2, we read, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. Bible scholars say that since darkness exists in Genesis 1, verse 2, and God did not create it, Satan was the source of the darkness. God had cast him out of heaven, and his presence was on the face of the deep. So this morning, if you have a giant towering over you, you can look up or you can look in and think, if we listen to the voice of the enemy, we're going to reflect on this face, our deep anxiety and stress. But if we look up higher, who is hovering over the face of the deep? Who is hovering over the darkness, over the chaos, and over that giant? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness at the beginning of creation, and he is still overcoming and overpowering the enemy today. In the song, Confidence, are these words. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. Give me faith like Mary when the angel said. Give me hope like Hannah in her barrenness. Give me a heart like Esther. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. Because Jesus won, we have already won. I have God all over me, I'm telling you right now. We don't know, however, how many quarters we still have to play before the final celebration. So suit up. Don't give up. Don't stop playing your best. Remember, know how bad it gets out there. You know how it's going to end. You and I are more than conquerors, and victory is guaranteed. Give God some praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you or someone you know is facing a giant today and you would like a Moses, a David, a Daniel, an Esther, or a Mordecai to stand in agreement with you, just wherever you are, just raise your hand, or you can come out into the aisle, or you can come down to the altar, but someone is going to be standing near you who will see you and help you to speak to that giant in the name of Jesus. God bless you.